This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Ben Mulling, CFO of Tente Casters, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leaders Podcast. This is episode 363. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. On today's show, we speak to Alejandro Scanapieco, Chief Financial Officer of Globin, a technology software and services firm with 37 offices around the world today. Before Globin, Alejandro was CFO of Microsoft's South Cone region and finance leader for Patagon South America. We speak to Alejandro after these words from our sponsor. Just as a house needs a good foundation, your business needs a solid technology foundation. At Workday, a different approach to finance technology is giving growing mid-size organizations a distinct advantage. Workday's flexible architecture means that when business conditions change, finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. Hello, we're speaking to Alejandro Scanapieco, CFO of Globant, a digitally native technology services company, Globant has more than 6,300 professionals around the world today in 12 countries. Alejandro, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me this opportunity. Not, not at all. We were uh, excited to talk to you. It's uh, uh, a part of the world we haven't always touched on with finance, so it's great to have you. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, we'll begin where we always like to, which is to have you look back and tell us a little bit about your path to the CFO office. Mm-hmm. Well, um, as far as uh, my background, uh, um, I'm a, a, a CPA uh, with a bachelor degree in business administration, a master of finance. Also, as a hobby, I, I studied uh, uh, as a sports journalist, uh, which is uh, something that uh, I, I really love and like. And unlike uh, many people in Latin America, I, I like a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, the American sports, that's uh, kind of uh, a color note on, on, on my background on, on the sports journalist side. As far as uh, the finance career, um, my, my path to uh, CFO has been, I, I got started as uh, an, an auditor in, in UI. I, I spent uh, something like three years there. Then I moved to uh, JP Morgan, uh, where I spent six years, including uh, uh, three years uh, where I live in, in, in New York and work uh, in New York uh, for the bank. Then I moved to uh, um, a famous internet startup in, in Latin America uh, called Patagon.com. Uh, it was an internet startup that was uh, subsequently sold to Santander Bank uh, back in the uh, early, early 2000. Um, 
Then I moved to Microsoft. I spent uh, six years uh, uh, um, uh, leading the region uh, as a CFO, uh, the region of uh, Latin America, until I was uh, uh, I joined the project of uh, Global, uh, which was uh, ten years ago. That has been kind of uh, of uh, the path uh, to to the CFO role. When I left uh, JP Morgan, it was the very first time that I got uh, promoted into a CFO role when I joined uh, Patagon.com. Before uh, we talk a little bit about your CFO roles, what about uh, when you jumped from an auditor role uh, to J.P. Morgan? Um, you could have probably become an auditor in a corporate. You could have gone the auditing path. Uh, you you opted not to. Why? Uh, I think on, on the first side, uh, Jack, I think uh, – I was intrigued by by finance uh, by the time I was working for EY, and uh, I decided that uh, I mean having that long-term career as an auditor and, and developing my career there until I I, I become a partner or, or something similar to that uh, was going to be boring and, and not something that I wanted for uh, my whole career. So, and I was really intrigued by by finance. I, I was really attracted by by pure finance stuff, uh, working on on uh, structuring uh, uh, finance debt, uh, structuring uh, different derivatives operations, learning about derivatives, learning about the pure finance, uh, the the yield of the bonds, uh, the return on the bonds. I mean everything that was connected to finance. So so to me by that time, JP Morgan was kind of a, a very interesting step. Uh, to move into that role, uh, and definitely the exposure that I had uh, in the bank for six years, it was definitely a, a, a big machine of learning uh, to me. And, but I would say, in, in essence, um, I, I have this seed and, and this soul of uh, uh, risk taker. Uh, it's like uh, my, my belief, and I might be wrong, but, uh, that at a certain point on your career, you need to take some risk. I, I would say, in essence, is, is that I have that uh, feeling for uh, entrepreneurship, uh, for innovation, for challenging assignments. During JP Morgan, I, I lived uh, three big crises. that were the tequila, the, the Russian crisis, and, and something that was called the, the Asian tiger uh, crisis. That, that was many countries in, in Asia that were going down, uh, starting by, by uh, Singapore. Um, and during that time, uh, I really suffered at the bank. I, I saw many people that I, I, I care about and, and very sound professionals that uh, uh, needed to exit the bank. So at a certain point, in, uh, what was crossing my mind is I love finance that uh, maybe as, as a generalist and as a guy who supersedes the whole finance faction, uh, regardless of the fact that that was going to expose me to less uh, work on, on the pure uh, finance side. Maybe my, my uh, horizon uh, in terms of uh, career opportunities was going to be uh, much wider. That was my, my thinking by the time that I left JP Morgan. And I was also intrigued by the Internet bubble, the Internet startups. Uh, so I decided to move to Patagon and then the, the, the whole story uh, reset. And it, it was my first time as a CFO. So I, it has been definitely a roller coaster since then. Uh, and, of course, the other uh, interesting uh, – and there are other aspects that are interesting, but you were a chief financial officer for what's known as Microsoft's 
uh, you refer to it as South Cone. Now, is that was that an actual subsidiary, or how did Microsoft uh, uh, sort of organize itself around the globe? It, it was a region. It was a region within Latin America. Within Latin America, South Cone region uh, uh, was uh, comprised by five countries that were Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Bolivia, and Chile. Uh, so I was uh, in charge of that region. Back during your tour of duty there, when when your finance peers outside of Microsoft would ask you, hey, what's that like? Is there something unique or different about Microsoft and its finance function that you would share or point to to distinguish from other finance organizations? Is there anything about Microsoft that that experience sets it apart? Well, I think uh, what what happens at, at Microsoft, or at least uh, what was happening by the time I was uh, at, at the company, is that there was a lot of uh, focus and, and probably a big skill set that I have on on uh, on forecasting, budgeting comes from, from Microsoft. Uh, the finance function, function, especially in the subsidiaries, I'm, I'm not talking about, I mean, if you're sitting in the in, in the corporation in Redmond, maybe it's a different story. But uh, especially in the subsidiaries, uh, what happens with the finance function is that there are many of the core things within finance, uh, treasury, uh, the, all the transactional things, uh, accounts payable, billing, uh, accounts receivables, collections, everything is outsourced. Um, so uh, the finance core function uh, within Microsoft uh, for the subsidiaries is, is pretty much about uh, forecasting, budgeting, and, and a strategic partnership with the sales uh, organization. So that's kind of a, it, it's a little bit narrow um, the scope for a finance uh, person. But definitely, the, the good thing about everything that is narrow and, 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 and specialized is that you get a lot of expertise on, on one specific function that definitely is, is very valuable, among other things, uh, within the, the, all, the, all the skill sets and all the, uh, um, the, the, the education that, that you expect to have as a, as a finance leader. So I would say probably living in, the, in, in a subsidiary of Microsoft, it's, it's a pretty innovative company, it's, uh, very flexible, uh, very nice uh, working environment. They do care about people and, and career development, but from the pure uh, finance perspective, uh, working on a subsidiary has kind of a, a limited uh, uh, exposure to, to your uh, skills. And, and that was Kind of also one of the of the key drivers of uh, me moving to to global. Not only attracted by by the project itself that was very ambitious, very attractive, but also that I had the feeling that I was uh, I was not exposing all all my skills and all my abilities at Microsoft because of uh, the way Microsoft is designed in in the subsidiaries. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Now I mentioned uh, I got this from the Globe Insight. It has six. 6,300 professionals today. Take us back, because you have been there quite a stretch of time now, nine years. How big was this organization when you first arrived? It was very small. Uh, we were, uh, the total revenue was uh, $22 million, um, and um, the whole organization was less than uh, 500 people. So it has been an amazing journey at, uh, here at Globe. 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, uh, and, and we know the job, the role has to be very different today than it was then. But when you first arrived, what were your priorities? What were the things you had to get done uh, to, to uh, accommodate the growth that clearly came? Well, definitely the, the, the priority uh, at, at first, and, and when I first uh, joined the company, was uh, I, I would say to, to put uh, some things in order uh, to, to kind of uh, align the framework for a company to grow fast. And, uh, and there were many, many different things that were not in, in the right place. So we needed to go little by little and step by step in terms of uh, 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 providing the the, the company, the people, uh, all the stakeholders, the founders, uh, the necessa necessary things uh, for the company to uh, to grow fast. So, that in in uh, very specific uh, uh, things that I I could mention, definitely we work on the on the financials. Uh, they, they were now they haven't been uh, audited financials uh, um, uh, for many years. So. We, we made uh, kind of uh, several audits in, in, in a row in order to put the, the, the financials of uh, the company in, 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 in a good shape. Um, we work on, on the teams, we work on the, on the organization, uh, the, the whole organization, not only the finance organization, but trying to uh, kind of uh, provide the, the, the best organization for, uh, uh, for the production areas, for, for the business areas, and, and also for the staff areas. We created many staff areas that didn't exist by that time. I mean, and, and, and you can mention from uh, ranging from uh, HR to legal uh, to finance, uh, many different sub-functions within finance. Uh, so I, I spent uh, some time creating those functions and, and, and having a specialization of certain people. Then, of course, uh, shaping the talent and, and, and bringing talent in, into the organization. Just keeping some people that were within the organization, then uh, transitioning some others. Uh, so it, it was uh, uh, very important by that time to kind of uh, provide a framework uh, for a company that was growing like hell. Um, and that has been the case over the, the almost 10 years that I have within the organization. If you take the, um, the CAGR, uh, the, the, the top line CAGR, I mean, Logan has been growing above 25% uh, for the last 10 years. So it has been an amazing journey. I want to uh, just uh, find out, you. this company does, in fact, go public maybe uh, four years, three or four years ago, and you led that, of course. Is there a memorable moment in the IPO process, whether it was on the roadshow, whether it was uh, the actual day that the first shares were sold? What would you – uh, share with us when you we think back on that experience. And if I were to mention uh, probably one single memory, definitely uh, the most powerful memory that I have is, is of course, the, the, the day prior to uh, going to exchange and, and ringing the bell uh, when you price the deal. Because um, until that time, I mean, you're in the roadshow, uh, probably you don't have much time to think during the roadshow because you see uh, so many investors in, in that very short time frame, and you get in a plane, and you go somewhere else, and then you get in, in a bus, you get in a car, and you take phone calls from everywhere. Uh, so it, it's like you don't have much time. You, you just spend some time at the end of the day uh, talking to the banks. 
uh, that are underwriting the deal, trying to understand if, uh, if the level of demand is and, and the book is, is, is being built up the way you're expecting. But until the very last day, and, and, and this happened, this is kind of uh, common in, uh, in a deal of our size, you don't get the feeling and, and, and really the, the, the secureness that the deal is, is, is going to go public until the very last two days. And especially the, the big orders of uh, the anchor institutional investors, they, they show up in, in, in the very last minute. So I always say that, that you're in the middle of the roadshow, but until you have that discussion at the very last day prior to, uh, to the pricing date and, and, and to the bell ringing, uh, you don't have that feeling that, well, okay, uh, we, we got it, we did it. Uh, so that, that was a memorable time, and that was a long discussion, I, I can tell you, because by the time that we priced, we're not that uh, comfortable with the, uh, with the market, so we finally priced below the range. Just $1 below the range, the, 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 the price range was 11 to 13, so we priced at 10. Uh, but that was definitely a, a, a memorable uh, moment uh, for my life. Is there, uh, and here I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with this regarding the IPO, but is there one piece of advice you wish if you could give yourself at the start of that process? Is, if, you could, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would it have been? <laughs> probably, probably that someone told me that I, I was going to uh, to put my life in, in, into the IPO for uh, for quite some time. Uh, it, it wasn't only the, the the initial timeline and planning that you get on the spreadsheets that are provided by by the banks and lawyers. It, it's definitely much more than that. <laughs> okay, that's great. We'll leave it at that. All right, so we want to find out about Globant now and the types of services this company is offering. And again, at the start, uh, and I saw on your website as well, it's described as digitally native technology services. I have to be honest. I'm not entirely certain what those services are. What, what, what is this company's business today? Well, Globan, uh, and, and let me try to clarify the concept of uh, uh, a, a pure play on emerging technologies. Uh, we, we like to say that Globan is, a, is the perfect combination of engineering, design, and innovation. Um, as, as you know, digital transformation is, is happening everywhere, and our company was architectured that way. Uh, that's why we, we call Globan a pure play on, on emerging technologies. We're, we're not organized by the typical verticals that you can find in, in several different companies and even in the, in the IT services company. We, we are in the IT services space. But we're organized by studios. We have 17 studios. Our, our studios represent the domain expertise that Globan have in several different emerging technologies. So we have, just uh, to give you some few examples, and a studio for cloud, and a studio for big data, and a studio for, um, for gaming. Uh, the, you, you may call those uh, uh, technologies specialties or, or, or legacy technologies that have been evolving, but then we have studios for uh, uh, core new technologies like UX, design, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, augmented reality. Um, so Globan has uh, this particular um, approach to the market where we we are not trying to uh, be the experts on the verticals uh, of the customers that we're serving, but we're trying to help our customers uh, with emerging technologies 
to make that digital transformation. So we don't go to a financial institution and tell them, we know more about finance than you. I mean, we're the experts on this vertical. That's not our approach, our go-to-market. We say we can definitely help you have a better approach and a better reach to your customers and consumers by helping you with this digital transformation with the expertise that we have in emerging technologies. Um, so that, that's the key value proposition. I would also say that we came from a different approach into the market. I mean, the, the, the market of IT services and outsourcing uh, was very uh, used to dealing with uh, Indian IT services uh, companies. So we came from a different vision because our company was founded in Argentina. Then we, we got expanded into uh, Latin America. Now we're seven different countries in Latin America. We also expanded into India and some countries in Europe. Uh, but, but the pure DNA of uh, the company was architecture and, and, and since inception in Latin America. And that was kind of a fresh approach into the market. I mean, the cultural fit of our people with uh, American corporation is, is very strong. Uh, we also have the advantage of the time zone in Latin America, so dealing with American corporations is, is easy, and we can also deal with the East Coast or the West Coast, uh, uh, depending on the country that uh, is doing the, the delivery and the, and the production development for our customers. And also, a lot of the software that we create requires a lot of creativity and innovation. And uh, you can find a number of uh, those people in, in Latin America, especially in Brazil and, and Argentina. So that, that's kind of a global in a very, uh, in two minutes. Yeah, so it's, it's curious that, uh, again, you're, you don't have this industry focus or you don't break it into silos. Do you partner with industry-specific partners, however? Because it would seem to me that specific industries uh, do have relationships with people who do understand their business and, and tailor things to custom fit, perhaps, if you're in the oil and energy area. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Is it a, a partnering model as well? Uh, we, we typically don't use uh, partners unless it's, it's really needed for some specific project. But, but I would say uh, probably the best way to understand this is that we, we have a very – holistic approach in terms of uh, software development. So we try to, uh, we have a, a, a consultant arm uh, that is, uh, it's it, the piece of our work that is much more connected to understanding the business of our customer, uh, the travel of our customer, and what are the goals that they, they, they want to uh, achieve with the, with the software development. So we, we typically start very small with some prototypes, uh, proof of concepts, trying to get innovation uh, sessions uh, with our customers, trying to understand what, what's the pain point, what's uh, uh, definitely the things that they need to change. And this is not only related purely with the software that we're going to be developing or the applications that we're going to be creating, but also understanding the processes and how the companies are executing their, uh, the, their business. Uh, so we try to help with technology by doing this kind of uh, consultancy first, and then we jump into the actually what we call building the software, building the product. Uh, but we don't typically use uh, uh, partners for that. So tell us a little bit about your world then, and what are the key metrics that you are relying on to reveal how Globin is performing? 
Well, I, I, I would say uh, as far as uh, key metrics, definitely we're always looking into our, our, our top-line growth, uh, our margins. Uh, those are uh, common metrics that we uh, overlook every single day. Uh, our revenue per head, uh, the cost per head, those are two very important metrics. They run the margins of the company. Then if, if we get into kind of a one level down, uh, that we, we have internal dashboards where we typically look at the, the, the weighted bill headcount. Uh, and, and by weighted, I mean that we measure differently the people that we have on site uh, versus the people that we have offshore, meaning offshore meaning Latin America and India. Um, of course, we take a look at the, the number of tickets, the pipeline, uh, the number of releases, it, it, it's another metric that for Globan is important. Releases are people who are being uh, released from, from the project, and we try to understand if, if that means that we're losing projects or if uh, they're just only connected with the uh, ending of uh, one project because another project is starting. Uh, then we take a look at the churn, attrition of, uh, of our people. That's a very important indicator because at the end, that, that's going to affect uh, uh, the hiring. It's going to affect the, the, the internal uh, climb of, uh, of the company and also the utilization. So that, that's another metric that we typically look into. We, we have a bunch of metrics. I, I just mentioned probably uh, or highlighted uh, the five to ten metrics that, that we typically look at. Okay. All right, so Alejandro, we always like to ask for uh, a finance strategic moment. What would you uh, mm -hmm. share with us? Well, it, 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 it's, it's hard to, to not, not to mention the, the, the IPO there. I think uh, the fact that we decided to take this company public uh, and, and to lead all the way end to end the IPO process, that, that was definitely a, a, a very uh, finance a strategic moment, as, as, as you say. I mean, uh, the, the IPO was uh, full of uh, technical challenges. Uh, we needed to have conviction, leadership. Uh, I, I needed to put in, 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 uh, in that all my interpersonal skills. Uh, I, I was the anchor person for uh, many stakeholders. Uh, uh, I, I, I needed to... to uh, help the organization to have the discipline to become a public company. And, and, and what nobody tells you is that the life as a, as a public company is, is much harder than uh, getting into there. So I, I, I would say that that decision and, and the fact that we decided to create uh, a cultural shift in the organization so that we, we could still be global uh, a very innovative company, uh, flexible company, emerging technology company, but at the same time uh, comply with all the requirements of uh, being a public company, that, that was definitely a very uh, finance uh, strategic moment for me. Okay, we're going to be entering the mentoring round with Alejandro, where among other things, you'll learn about his passion for sports. After these words from our sponsor. You want smart? 
clear and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middlemarket. Okay, we want to go to our mentoring round where I'm going to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, inspire and uh, mentor your finance leader peers as well as uh, future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you today about finance and business? Uh, I, I would say, uh, I, I, I just mentioned digital transformation. I think finance, it, it's also part of that digital transformation. I mean, digital transformation is everywhere. So I think uh, uh, finance is also leading that, that revolution. If, if I were to say, to me now, finance is, is kind of uh, the finance 3.0. And, and let me explain that. It, it's like, in, in the first two ways for, uh, for finance, if we think about finance for, for the last uh, uh, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, I would say finance started as, as, as a bean counter. It, it was uh, a bean counter and a compliance officer. That, that was the whole function of uh, finance in, in the early days, uh, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, then finance evolved into uh, probably uh, the, the guys who, could provide to the organization some quality reporting and, and, and become a strategic partner. That has been the role for finance for uh, quite some time, for several years, and where finance definitely had a big development and, and evolved. What I'm seeing today with all this digital transformation and, and, and the fact that technology changes are accelerating, because in the past uh, you had a, a change in technology and then it passed I don't know, maybe 20 years, 30 years, uh, when we first got uh, the, the cars created until they became uh, commercial cars. I mean, there were so many years. Same thing with the planes, same things with communications. Now we're talking about mobile as it was something that was with us for uh, uh, forever, and it was only created 10 years ago, 11 years ago. The iPhone was released in, in 2007. So um, I think finance is getting to the 3.0, uh, hero that to me is we need to be a performance accelerator uh, so uh, for the organization so it, it, it's like within the role of uh, a strategic business partner we now need to have that strong focus on on developing automated digital tools uh, that that should definitely produce and, and, and compile information at, at the blink of an eye uh, like and leveraging on, on, on practices like big data, AI, robotics, uh, they're, they're extending the arms in, into finance as well, and that's pretty exciting. It, it's like, uh, if, if you ask me, I see finance uh, providing value uh, more and more on the strategic side and trying to accelerate performance on, on the companies and not, uh, I mean, being the, the bean counter anymore or, or the guys who are compiling the data trying to put some order into the data. A robot is going to do uh, that for you. I mean, uh, combining automation with robotics and AI, you're going to have everything at hand. 
but then you will need to have that finance expertise and that brain power uh, to make the, 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 the right choices. And that's going to be the role of financing in the years to come. And that's pretty exciting to me. So here's another one of these uh, looking back questions. When you first took on your CFO role, and I guess that was at Pentagon, uh, what is that piece of advice you wish someone had shared with you before you stepped into that office? Uh, that, that's an interesting one. Uh, probably by the time I, I started at, at CFO, I, I, I was thinking that everything was about uh, technical abilities and, and getting insights and, and education on several different aspects of, uh, of, uh, of finance. Uh, I probably was missing a big part of, of uh, some uh, soft skills in, in terms of uh, politics, in terms of uh, influencing skills, in terms of uh, emotional intelligence. I said it's definitely uh, a, a big asset uh, in the organizations. I mean, regardless of uh, your background and experience, uh, if you don't have emotional intelligence uh, in these days, it's very difficult to, to really uh, go after uh, big, bold goals, uh, regardless of uh, what your career is. Uh, and, and, and more and more, this is going to be uh, important. And why is that? Because of uh, what we just talked about technologies and how technologies are changing the landscape of how information is going to be available, how you're going to be pro producing that information, how you're going to be approaching uh, the people that is uh, handling that information. So more and more uh, software skills are going to be important, and probably by, by the time I, I, I got my first uh, uh, CFO role, I under, underestimated the importance of that. Okay, is there, do you have a personal habit that you feel has helped or contributed to your professional success? Uh, if, if I were to think about habits, I would say definitely uh, passion. Uh, uh, Perseverance, uh, discipline. I'm a very disciplined person. Uh, very curious. Uh, so I, I think curiosity is, is connected to learning, uh, and, and, and I, I get desperate when I, I'm explaining something that I don't understand. I, I get desperate. It, it's like I need to understand that. I, I need to. I, I double click. I Google. I talk to people. I'm, I'm, I'm try to research. Uh, and at the end, that's something that takes you to the next level because it, it's like you, you uh, widen the ability to uh, deal with uh, several different uh, topics and, 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 and you get a skill set that is, it's, uh, it's very important. And, and really, probably if, if I were to take my backward look at, uh, at my career, I would say that I truly believe in teamwork. It, it's very difficult to get to... Uh, very important roles in your career and, and, and leadership roles is if you don't truly believe in, in teamwork. Uh, and I truly believe in teamwork. I, I wouldn't be who I am if, if I hadn't had the, the support of uh, the people that have been uh, working with me. And uh, I also have this vision that you can always learn from someone. So you need to be open to learn, open to listen. Uh, if, if that happens, you always have the opportunity to uh, to squeeze into that learning opportunity and probably uh, 
your asset it, it, it's it's going to be uh, bigger you're going to be learning something new uh, and that's going to help you in the next uh, challenge of assignment that you're going to have so those are the habits that I, I can think of is there a book you'd recommend uh, to aspiring finance leaders well the, the, the there are many books that that I read that, that really I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a fan of uh, of, uh, of reading. Uh, so, but the, the, probably the one that I, I recommend is uh, because it gets you thinking uh, about who you are, who you became, and, and what's going to be your next step. It's, it's a book that was written by Marshall Goldsmith. That is called "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." I want to ask you about sports. This isn't on our list of questions, but you brought it up more than once. Uh, and, and ask you if uh, in some way you feel that it's contributed uh, to your professional life in some way, your love of sports. I think so. Uh, I think uh, particularly I like uh, uh, team sports. Uh, so I, that, that, of course, I like tennis as well. It's an individual sport, uh, but mostly the, the sports that I like and, and some of the sports that I, I, I have played in, in my career and I still play, uh, regardless of my age, uh, are, are team sports. So definitely the values uh, that some of those sports uh, require and, and some of the things and some of the, of the skills that are uh, exposed at, at some of those sports, definitely that those could be easily translated into the real life of a, of a professional. And, and there are a number of, uh, of uh, learnings and things that you can get from a sports that are definitely, to me, applicable to real life. Uh, to me, you're, you're a single person. It's not like the professional is separate uh, from the human being that's uh, coming back at home every single day to say hello to uh, to their family. So it's, it's the same person, so definitely if you, if you can integrate and you get learning experiences uh, from many different aspects of uh, life, definitely you improve as, as a human being, as a professional, or, or whatsoever. And, and definitely sports, uh, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of sports, uh, so I, I get learnings every every day from uh, several different sports, several different uh, uh, people that uh, play sports. What is the farthest you have traveled to attend a sporting event. <laughs> that, that's a good one. I'm, I'm planning to go to Russia uh, next year, uh, this year for uh, for the World Cup. Probably that's that's going to be the record. But uh, so Russia will be the record. But I I know soccer fans, so I know this isn't the first one. How many how many other World Cups have you traveled great distances to? Twenty uh, four. Uh, and the, and, the, and the last one was uh, was held in, in Brazil, so it was very nearby. Uh, yeah, that doesn't count. We're taking that one off. <laughs> so is soccer number one on your uh, spectator sport uh, fan list, or what else do you enjoy? No, I, I would say soccer is, has a big place, but definitely rugby and um, American football are among the, uh, the top. Did you play rugby? Have you broken many years. bones? Yeah. Uh, uh, just one. Uh, probably just a wrist. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Well, 
I had to ask, uh, because I think it's rather rare that we've had a finance leader that expresses uh, their passion for sports. And there have been some, unquestionably, uh, but uh, uh, there haven't been as many that also uh, play a sport as you do. And uh, so it's always interesting to explore it a little bit with you. Uh, But finally, we're at our final question, so thank you uh, for indulging us there. Uh, And our final question, of course, is over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Well, I I, I would say definitely uh, keep developing the the talent within the the finance organization, uh, both uh, current people, uh, new hires into the organization. That's going to be one of the key uh, priorities uh, for for this year. Uh, we we still need to enable processes uh, for for Bloman, uh to go into the next level and and, and to comply with and, and and achieve the strategy plan. I mean the company is really growing fast and and that requires that we we assemble a number of things uh, within the company to to be able to to achieve the level of growth that uh, that we desire. Um, I, will, I will also focus uh, a little bit this year on, the, on, on balancing the, the capital structure of uh, the company uh, so we can uh, keep fueling the, uh, the growth. And, um, and as I always say, uh, we, we need to keep uh, enjoying the ride. That's one of my favorite uh, phrases. Uh, so I will still have uh, fun at, uh, at, the, at the company and the journey that I'm having at the global. Alejandro Scanapieco, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at cfothoughtleader.com.